Good morning. Happy New Year. And our series is uh, May We Be Holy. You know, we say, we say, I've said it uh, lots of times, you have too. You know, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And we know, if it's anything, you know, the last two years, if they've taught us anything at all, it's that we're not always going to be happy. And so maybe Happy New Year isn't what we, our, our desire should be. Maybe it should be Holy New Year. Because we do want to be holy. And no matter what the circumstances are around us, Jesus Christ living in us, we can be holy no matter the circumstance. So, May We Be Holy is the series. Last week, if you were here, um, part of the sermon uh, I talked about from 2 Samuel 7, when King David had conquered the Philistines and had become king and was going into Jerusalem with the uh, Ark of the Covenant. And it was a big day, right? It was like a ticker tape parade type of day. And everyone was excited about that day. And the Bible tells us how, in 2 Samuel 6, how how David was singing and dancing and everyone was playing their instruments. And it was just this huge, huge party day as the Ark of the Covenant is coming back in Jerusalem. And you remember his wife, Michal was her name, uh, daughter of Saul, was not happy. In fact, she was, she was very disappointed. She thought that his dancing behavior was, was undignified, unkingly. And she let him know it. And, and, and the point from, from that sermon last week was David said, listen, I'm not here to please you. I'm dancing before the Lord. He said, even sometimes, even uh, people that we care about and people that, that we're close to, even family, sometimes they may not always understand our, our commitment to Jesus Christ, but, but our glory comes from the Lord. And our first priority is the Lord. And that's what David is saying. Listen, I'm not dancing before you. I'm dancing before the Lord. All right, that was all last week. Well, there's a crazy story just before that. Same chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 6, as they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant that I think can help us today. Now, before we get to that story, let me just uh, inform you, let you know what, what's happening here. The Ark of the Covenant was a really big deal, right? The most sacred object in the, in the nation. It, was, it, was, it signified God's glory. And it had been captured by the Philistines and they kept it in the temple of their pagan god, Dagon. And so it was, uh, it was it, the morale because of that. Because the, 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 the ark was in the hands of the enemy, the morale of the people was at an all-time low. And they viewed that God's glory had departed from them because, because the ark of the covenant was not in their possession. And David understood that when he became king, when he conquered the Philistines, priority number one was to get that ark back to Jerusalem. And that's why they were having such a big party that we talked about last week. And that's why there was this ticker tape parade and why everyone was so excited. We've got to get the ark back to Jerusalem. If we get the ark back to Jerusalem, then the glory of God can, can once again reign, reign, reign here. And so the story that I read last week is 2 Samuel 6. We're going to be there again. But the same story is in 1 Chronicles 13. And in 1 Chronicles 13, it says this. David is saying this. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. In David's mind, Saul's uh, lack of leadership was displayed in his lack of concern for the things of God. I've preached sermons before on how Saul went from building uh, altars to God to monuments to himself. It was, a, it was a, just a, a terrible display of a downward spiral of someone who once had God's favor and how it ended. And David didn't want to make those same mistakes. So he said, let's take the ark back to Jerusalem. And in verse 4 it says this, 
The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed like the right right to, to all the people. The ark was the rallying point for the people. Remember, it was kind of, it was viewed as the throne of God, the, the, the mercy seat of God. Don't think of it as the actual, they didn't think of it as the actual seat of God, that it was God's lazy boy. That's an error. That's the only place where God, God was, but it represented his presence. It represented his, his power, his holiness that was at work among them. And remember, if, if you've seen, Ark, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, it's four feet wide, two feet wide, two feet deep, covered in gold inside and out. Inside was the Ten Commandments, the actual Ten Commandments of Moses, the rod of Aaron, and a cup, a golden cup uh, of manna. Super holy. And now it's coming back to Jerusalem. And like we left off last week, there was a party going on, and everything's excited. The most sacred prize coming back, which leads to that strange, strange story just before what we read last week. In Second Samuel 6, there's a guy named Uzzah. And Uzzah, you think of him, Uzzah was a, was a bear. No, Uzzah was a, was a priest. And Uzzah, the priest, touched the ark and was killed. Second Samuel 6, let me read it for you. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio. Abinadab had terrible naming of children. Who would name their kid Ahio? That's a whole other story. Sorry, Boston. So the sons of Abinadab put it on the new cart. With the ark of God on it, Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with their, all their might before the Lord with castanets and harps and lyres and timbrels and cisterns. Think of them as tambourines and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of, of Nacon, Uzzah reached out, took hold of the ark of God because an oxen had stumbled and the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Some versions say his unholy act. Remember our series, May We Be Holy. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark. What a strange story. What a terrible tragedy. Uzzah died because of this irreverent act, this unholy act. What in the world is going on here? This is a national day of celebration. Everyone is excited. They're marching into Jerusalem. Everyone's got their, you know, they got their tambourines and their cymbals and it's a party going on and David is dancing and, and you know, Mikhail's going to be upset about it. It's an exciting party day. You know, everyone has got things going on. Someone's yelling, more cowbow and they're just, you know, having a great time. And I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe the party, one of the parties spooked one of the oxen. Or maybe the roads were like Michigan roads and there was a lot of potholes, you know, and it just, you know, took a dip. Because the cart began to teeter and the ark is in danger of falling off. And I don't know if five-second rule applies to arcs or not, you know. There's a disaster about to happen. <sighs> Last month, Carla always makes the um, board dinner, board Christmas dinner. We always have this board Christmas dinner for 30 years, 31 years. Carla has made dinner for the church board and the pastors. And she does most of the work, and it's always a great deal. It's worth being coming on the board just for the board Christmas dinner, because she's, I mean, it's awesome. And so, so she makes the whole dinner, and we have the, here at our church, we have the party out there in the foyer. We don't let anybody have parties out in the foyer, but the board, the church board, I guess they get, you know, like special exemption. And so we have the party out there, and she makes the dinner, and this year there was like 
uh, spinach stuffed chicken and cheesy potatoes and, and uh, bundles of, of green beans wrapped in bacon. So, of course, that's good. And, and, you know, and salad and tons of desserts and carrots. Oh, the best carrots. It's more brown sugar than carrots. And so it, it makes it really good. They melt in your mouth. They're awesome. And she was getting ready. She's taking all the stuff out of the ovens in the kitchen. And I was to, you know, cart them to the foyer. And she got the chicken out and she got the cheesy potatoes out and she got the, the, the bacon-wrapped green beans out. And, and she was taking the carrots out. And I don't know if it, was, if it was in the oven too high or I don't know. She's got a bum arm. And so I don't know if it was her bum arm or if the pan was, 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 was too flimsy. But she started taking it out. And I was standing like at the door of the kitchen and she was by the ovens. And I saw it, it was like slow-mo. And the carrots and the, came down and the pan started to tip. And, and it was like, oh no. Now, if we didn't like our board so much, we would have just like put them back in the pan and, <laughs> and maybe crossed our mind for a second. Oh no. But we did not, we did not do that. You know, Beth Phillips was there. She helped us scoop them up, throw them out. Disaster. Listen, the ark, this is the Ark of the Covenant. This isn't just Carla's Tasty Carrots. This is the Ark of the Covenant. It's getting ready to fall into the mud. And Uzzah, the priest, is standing right there. Ahio is in the front and he sees what's going on. And just maybe instinctively or, or whatever, he reaches out to steady the Ark and he touches it. You would think, right? You would think he'd get special accommodation. Maybe a booming voice from heaven saying, well done, my good and faithful Uzzah, thank you. Maybe have a golden street named after him, Uzzah Avenue. Instead, instead, he, I mean, right there, dead, 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 dead. What in the world happened to Uzzah? I mean, what was so terrible? Does, does the punishment fit the crime? My goodness, Saul, Saul had a seance with a witch. He, went and he wasn't struck down dead. David had an affair with Bathsheba, had her husband killed. He wasn't struck down dead. What in the world did Uzzah do? He just, you know, he slapped his hand up against the air. What in the world, what in the world is going on here? To really understand, you need to go to the book of Numbers. It talks about priests in the book of Numbers. To be a priest, you couldn't just give a teary testimony after a teen service and say, you know, I feel called into the ministry. That's not what happened. Uh, to be a priest, you had to be from the tribe of Levi. And all, not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites. And so you had to be from that tribe, and, and uh, that's how you, you went in. And the book uh, of Numbers, it gives all sorts of details concerning that. Well, there's a group of the Levites called Kohathites. And the Kohathites, their job, their only job, was to take care of all of the uh, instruments in the, in the tabernacle, including the Ark of the Covenant. And so their job was to make sure that everything was, when, you know, the tabernacle was moved, it was a giant tent, and, and as the children of Israel were wandering around the wilderness, this tent, this worship center tent was moved, and the Kohathites were in charge of all the instruments, Ark of the Covenant. Here's what's crazy. They couldn't even, they, they couldn't touch any of those stuff. They couldn't even look at it. In fact, verse, verse 20 in chapter 4 says, but the Kohathites must not go in to look at the holy things even for a moment or they will die. Okay, so this is serious stuff. 
they can't, they can't look at it, they can't touch it. How do, how do, you, how do you move something if you can't touch it? The, the high priest, Aaron, would go in and secure all the things, and then they would, would move it from, from place to place to place. Go have that. Well, our, our hero, not the hero, Uzzah, he was a Kohathite. And so he understood, he understood all the rules. Think of, think of transporting the Ark of the Covenant, um, what would it be like in our day? Um, like when, when, when there's some hazardous material in a place, maybe radioactive material, or when the Ebola uh, uh, things were going on in Africa, or when there was like anthrax scares. You've seen pictures and people go in there and they have the hazmat suits on, rubber gloves, rubber boots, rubber suit, uh, a breathing apparatus. And they, it wasn't quite like that, the Ark of the, but they were careful. They knew one, one touch, you're dead. Uzzah knew that. He knew the rules. He, he, he was a priest, Kohathite. He, he, he knew that that you know you, you carried it you had to carry it, it was, there was uh, rings on the side and poles that went through they could touch the poles not the ark and so when they were carrying it think of it like like pallbearers carrying a casket only they carried it higher and, and so they would carry it so they wouldn't touch and they would carry it now if you're paying attention someone might say right about now wait a minute the ark of the covenant wasn't being carried it was on a cart it was, it was, it was the oxen that stumbled exactly the ark never should have been on a cart. It should have been carried by, 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 by maybe Uzzah and his brother Ahio and four other guys. Should have been on a cart, not even a new cart. It says a new cart. Big deal, new cart. Shouldn't have been on a cart. What's going on? Uzzah, Uzzah, Uzzah. This was not an, an act of heroism. This was an act of laziness it was an act of laissez-faire it was an act of you could say an act of arrogance Uzzah is assuming his hand was less polluted than the ground that the ark was going to fall onto God, God said nothing, nothing, nothing unholy could ever touch the ark and Uzzah slapped his hand right up against it well, Pastor, thank you very much. Oh, that was loud. Pastor, thank you very much for that. Uh, next time we see the ark, we will definitely not touch it. Thank you. This was worth driving on snowy roads to get to church because the next time we see the ark, we're good. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this very important sermon message. What in the world does this have to do with us? I think, I think where this story is relevant, us's problem is he became calloused to the holiness of God that was right there. Uzzah lost the, the majesty, the mystery in God's holiness. It became, oh, it's just the ark. It lost its sacredness. It lost its specialness, its, its holiness. Right, that's what we're saying. May we be holy. And that's where this story is relevant for us. It's so easy to lose sacredness the holiness, the workings of God, the majesty of God around us. It's so easy to grow accustomed to the things of God, to grow routine. Joel, Joel and, and, and the ladies led us wonderfully this morning. We, we sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. 
that saves us from all sins. And I know I was doing the same thing. You know, I'm sitting right down there. We're just singing it. But man, we need to, we, we're in danger of becoming Uzzah-like when we can just let those words just flow out of our mouth, not even think about it. No, you know what? If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here. If it weren't for Jesus Christ and his blood, I would be lost. I would be gone. And when we forget it, when we lose the sacredness, when it just flows, when when reading our Bible becomes routine or even less than that, oh, well, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. Okay. When When the things of God become commonplace, we're in danger. One of Satan's schemes, Paul tells us, that in, in 2 Corinthians, he said, in order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. Here, let me inform you of some of Satan's schemes. He won't steal your salvation. He'll make you, he'll make you forget what it was like to be lost. He'll make you forget what it's like to be guilt-ridden. He'll make you forget what it was like to be lonely. And, 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 riddled with shame. He won't, he, won't, he won't make you lose it. He'll just make you forget it. He'll deceive you into thinking, oh, it's okay. It's all right if I just, you know, don't read my Bible today or this week or this month. It's all right if I miss worship today, next week. And you at home, I'm thankful for you at home. I'm thankful you're joining us online. But I will say this, I think you have to work extra hard because it's so easy when you're not with others to, to become distant. And you need, you, I know some of you, some of you, you long to be here, you wish you could be here, you can't be here. I get it, I get it, I totally get it. But you gotta work extra hard, you gotta be diligent. Because one of Satan's schemes, man, is to keep us away from our brothers and sisters in Christ. He won't, he won't make you, you know, just quit church. What he'll do is he'll point out uh, the imperfections. We're not a perfect church. Uh, I'm the pastor. I <laughs> know we're not perfect. He'll, he'll, he'll point out those, those things that are less than perfect. He won't, he won't steal your home. He'll do something far worse. He'll paint it with drabness. You know, nights in the town become evenings in the recliner and... Romance turns into routine and, and it'll lose its luster. He won't steal your kids. He'll just make you too busy to notice them. The seduction to procrastinate is so real. Uh, I, uh, there's always next week, next month. Now, I, can, I, can teach him, I can teach him how to pray next week, next month, next year. I can teach him the importance of, of giving some other time. I don't, I don't need to do it now. He will deaden your senses to those around you. Those ones that brought tears to your eyes in the delivery room. Perish the thought. Become commonplace. Sometimes I think we need to go back to the delivery room. I remember so well. We need to go back there and how thankful we were for those precious, precious ones that got brought into our lives. And then we just, and then over time it becomes routine and we forget. You know, our boys were just here. Both boys, Kansas City, they were here. They left on Wednesday. 
I'm so thankful for it. It's so good. It was so good to have them and their wives here. And let me just, this is an old guy, old guy lesson, right? Time goes like this. It was just yesterday we were in Bay City when Alex was born. We were in Gross Point Woods or Shores or wherever that hospital was at with Ben. Time goes like that. Satan's scheme is to get you to forget. Gary Trent, Gary Smalling and John Trent tell a story of a guy who's, who's 40 years old and he remembered a scene in his life from 28 years prior when he was 12 years old. And I can't totally retell it on my own. I'm going to read it because I think it's important for us to hear. This was the event. He says, I was just 12 years old when my Boy Scout troop planned a father-son camp out. I was thrilled, could hardly wait to rush home and give my father all the information. I wanted to show him how much I'd learned in scouting and I was so proud when he said he'd go with me. The Friday the camp came and I had all my gear on the front porch ready to stuff into his car the moment he arrived home from work. We were to meet at the local school at five o'clock, carpool to the campground. But dad didn't get home until seven. I was frantic, but he explained how things had gone wrong at work and he told me not to worry. We could still get up first thing in the morning and join the others. After all, we had a map. This was before GPS. I was disappointed, of course, the man remembered, but, but I decided to make the best of it. The first thing in the morning, the boy was up, had everything in his car. He was ready, ready at first light. He was ready to get going, get to the camp, catch up with his friends and their fathers. The dad said they'd live at 7 a.m. The boy was ready at 6.30 but the dad didn't roll out of bed till 9.30. The boy, now a man, said when, when he saw me standing in front of the camping gear, he explained that he had a bad back and couldn't sleep on the ground. He'd hoped I'd understand and that I'd be a big boy about it. But could I please get the stuff out of his car because he had several commitments to keep. The man said, just as about the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to take my sleeping bag, pup tent, cooking stove, supplies from his car. And then while I was putting my stuff away, and he thought I was out of sight, I watched my father walk to the garage, sling his golf clubs over his shoulder, and throw them in the trunk of his car. That's when I realized my dad never intended on going with me on that camp out. He just didn't have the guts to tell me. What a terrible story. And I know we're thinking, well, we wouldn't be that dad. Not that dad. Are you kidding me? That guy, he's a goober. And if it wasn't church, we'd say something worse. It's so easy to lose sight of the things of God. It's so easy to lose sight of those around us. It's so easy. Satan's schemes are so real in getting us to lose what's important, the holiness around us. A missionary told a story. He was in Brazil, and they were visiting a wealthy family. They had a big house, had the big pool, and the, the adults were in the front yard, and the kids were in the back. And somehow during that day, a little three-year-old, Carol Ann, came running around to the adults in the front and said that their daughter was in the pool. Their daughter was two years old. As you might imagine, it was frantic, right? Everyone ran back to the pool. They thought that someone was watching. They weren't watching. They ran back to the pool. 
they dove in, grabbed her, got her out. She was alive, breathing. She was, you know, spitting up water, but alive. The missionary told how the rest of the day he couldn't stop holding his little daughter, Carol Ann. All, all, I mean, he, he just, he, he couldn't let her go out of her sight. He was so thankful how, how, how little, the little Beth Ann had came and, and told them the news and he was so thankful that God spared Carol Ann and he realized that in a matter of seconds everything could have been different. Sometimes I think we need a, not that kind of wake-up call, but we need a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call to the, to, to the important things of life. To God's working and God's power and God's might, it's so easy to fall into an Uzzah-like way of just thinking it's common, it's regular. No, we, we serve God Almighty, for crying out loud, who's rescued us and redeemed us and saved us and, and gives us hope in a future. He has placed people in our lives that desperately need someone just like you to care for them and to love them to recognize them. Listen, as we move into this new year, maybe, maybe, you know, if you're a resolution person or not, maybe we just need to realize that we need to seek God. That we need to pray, may we be holy in our commitments to God and in the lives to the people around us. May we be holy. May his holiness working in us and through us make a difference in our homes and in our workplace, in our schools, wherever we may be. May we be holy. May it make a difference. May we be holy.